0: Pedro Boys,
1: with Josh and Pete. Pedro, Pedro boys. boys. Pedro Boys. Pedro Pe- Boys. Pedro Boys. How'd you like that new theme song, trans Pedro Boys. Pedro Boys.
0: Uh, Pete, for your, for your sake, when I asked that question, I am in fact... Uh, referring to our new theme song, which I did just record maybe 15 minutes ago. Really? Yeah. That's
1: that's great. I'm sure it turned out really well. Yeah, it did. You haven't heard it yet, so... Um, no, I just did because we always play the intro to start, so... Mm-hmm. Oh, um, right, right, right. Now, our
0: engineers are always sure to plug that in.
1: Um, First-time listeners, um, second-time subscribers,
0: because mm-hmm. I'm sure
1: that you su- subscribed deleted, and now you're doing it again. Mm-hmm. Um, my name's Pete.
0: And my name's Josh.
1: Um, and this is Poe Boys Podcast, um, we're a Star Wars podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we are uh, a podcast that covers, um, Star Wars TV shows, movies, um, we're two Star Wars insiders. Yes. Um, so... It's very important. We are people, um, it's like this, like, kind of new age thing where we're, um, influencers, so... Yeah,
0: like kind you know, of micro-influencers on a macro-subsect macro, of on a, on, the culture. On a macro,
1: on a macro level, right? You know, you're not going to find us on your Instagram, but... So you, you have your monopolies, you have your oligopolies, you have mm-hmm. your monopolistic competition, your perfect competition.
0: Cryptocurrency.
1: Cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. Hegemonon. Gold, hegemon. Um, we encompass 401k. all of that. And then we take the box, all right? We have this box and then mm-hmm. we're like, get rid of the box. And, and that's when us. When we
0: say that, it's important to know we're outside of the box. We're actually holding the box. And everyone else is inside the box and we're looking at the box and we say, Hello
1: Yeah and get we're, rid of looking, this box. we're looking at the box and we're saying like what are the best parts of the things in the box? And then mm-hmm. we're moving parts around in the box and then telling people what we did with the aforementioned box.
0: Yeah, so you're not going to find the po Boys names on, you know, the credits of, of Rise of Skywalker. But uh, probably more monumentally, you know, it was George Lucas, friend of the show, who called me asking if I thought he should sell Star Wars to BP, the petrol company. And, you know, I immediately stepped in and I influenced And now, you know, The Fandom Menace has me to thank for all these movies that they like so much. And then, you have people like your Pete's, who are maybe chatting with your JJ's, your Cathy's, and they're thinking, oh, we need this big new bad guy for the sequel trilogy. Wouldn't it be cool if we got a big hairy bear? A grizzly bear? hmm And wouldn't that be different and exciting? And then you have Pete over there saying, like, maybe you do that, or maybe you get a tall man. Tall man. A tall man. So and again, influencers. Influencers. And we do have a little bit of inside knowledge. We don't try to um we, we, we try our best not to exploit that. We did recently break our NDA on the the last episode of Poe Boys to talk about some of the stuff that happened in the first episode of Mandalorian, uh, but we didn't go too deep. This is our first real deep dive into the deep first dive. episode of Mandalorian, and while we started this podcast kind of to talk about Star Wars Resistance, because Pete and I are such big fans of Star Wars Animation... Um, it'd be pretty dumb of us not to do this thing that is such a pain in my neck every week, twice, once for Resistance and once for Mandalorian. And
1: so, Pedro Boys! And this isn't, like, me being really into my name. So, this is about us throwing support for, um, a close, a family friend of of ours, um, Mm -hmm. Pedro Pascal, dear friend, who, um, dear dear friend, um, he's come to um, a variety of our parties. Um, yes, he came to our invited board... us to many of his own. He and came a to of to our...
0: we can't make it because we're busy, but he came to our us, And I he... appreciate that
1: he came to our board game night. Um, mm-hmm. He hosted a Munchkin night um, where he took a variety of different uh, Munchkin, the card game. And he took a uh, variety of different packs. You know, you have your Star Wars munchkin, um, Rick and Morty munchkin, um, Lord of the Rings munchkin, and then just the, you know, the deluxe package. And you throw all these things around. Um, Pedro is not the most inventive... No, it was really
0: fun because he also got munchkins from Dunkin' Donuts.
1: Ooh, yeah,
0: well... And it was a nighttime party, but he managed to keep them fresh. And he even... Well, he has he, he has, he has, a, he, has an briefly, he has a he has an in. They're very
1: good. He has he has an in with that too mm-hmm. because he also deals in franchising, which is well, something that people Boston. don't talk about. Um, he's from Boston. Pedro Pascal. Uh, he never, Boston native he never talks about it. Yeah, he's, uh, he, he yeah, yeah never talks about Conan O'Brien either. Mm-mm. Uh, anyway, um, so this is uh, Pedro Boys, is a yes. subsect. Um, we are a. Corporation uh, or an LLC that's part of of Poe Boys LLC. So, Mm -hmm. um, if the whole um, charting of the Poe Boys Empire doesn't make that much sense to you, imagine Pedro Boys as being a sub department under the Poe Boys network. So, yeah. Like, you got your, you know, in the government, you got your, like, I don't know. Treasury Department. Like the government and then, is run by Amazon. And then you and then got your Area your Amazon, 51. You have Kindle.
0: And then for um, Kindle, you have different kinds of Kindle. And
1: like say and like, then say on you're like Apple. Your Kindle fire, so you can download fire. You can download an with app. With Apple you have podcast. like you have
0: your iPhone.
1: And then you have your you have your watches. Boys. And you have your computers. And that's what Pedro so Boys is. Po boys is like Apple and then that's what Pedro Boys is with the right. subsect So, um, we're gonna release episodes, um, this one's released on Friday, um, Mm -hmm. we're just gonna cover all eight episodes of The Mandalorian as they're coming out, so, um, we'll cover episode two, which is dropping the day this episode comes out.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so the purpose of this podcast is basically to just provide, you know, our takes, um, we had, uh, a quite bit of an influence um on the show um they've been shown some pictures of like george lucas being there um watching some scenes and, and who
0: do you think took those pictures
1: um we are the one that took those pictures Yeah, because um, like george big big george is his friends call him um mm-hmm. he's camera shy um you know there's a reason he doesn't act um because he just gets nervous so yeah. um We were there, and we have some stuff that we're going to talk about, but mainly from the perspective of us being involved in every single step of the way with this process.
0: Kind of begrudgingly, yeah, but, you know, I'm happy to help out friends. Um, So, yeah, last, before we get into it, I guess the idea with this show is we're going to release it the Friday after each episode comes out. So, with this one, because the first two episodes come out so close together... Uh, November 12th being when Disney came, Disney Plus came out. So that's, that was a Tuesday. And then, the, you know, the first episode comes Tuesday. From here on out, they're airing Fridays. So the day this episode drops, Chapter 2 will come out. And we will post our discussion about that a week later, the day Chapter 3 comes out. So a little late on the ball, but, you know, they always say the hottest takes come dead last.
1: Well, it's also um, like... Dead the, the best things, too, take so much time that you wonder if they're ever going to happen. Yeah. So um, so we're just going to, you know, say what we liked about the episode. Um, you know, if we have something to add on to it, um, we will. Um, mm-hmm. But don't come to this podcast being like, I want to know every single nitty gritty detail that Josh and Pete... Provided to make this show what it is. Cause we'll tell yeah. y- we'll tell you, but don't Scram. get d- don't be desperate. Yeah. Come so on. Without further ado, um, we're covering episode one um d- chapter, chapter one, one. with and a
0: regular number. Not yep. a Roman numeral.
1: And not um oh my gosh, what's the Star Wars language?
0: basic arabesh arabesh.
1: Ara- arabesh yeah it's on arabesh oh my gosh the people that can read that are just like uh um so the <clears> official <throat> description is a mandalorian bounty hunter tar- tracks a target for a well-paying clients
0: and you know what pete i've been thinking about it and i really can't argue with that synopsis yeah i mean i go so far as to call it accurate I would
1: say that if there was a person whose entire job was to summarize an episode in, you know, 12 words or less, that person did a great job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think they could have gone shorter. Um, um, ultimately, I think the most... What, refined... taking out the articles? Mandalorian banner Hunter tracks target for... Well paying client. Yeah, you're right. You're definitely no, right. No, I
0: think if if you want to go mysterious, you go this guy uh,
1: Guy uh This guy target uh, 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 client. Yeah. Yeah, that's also no, I mean, good. We have to, uh,
0: So we got this guy. He's on the snow planet. This guy walks into a bar, he's a Mandalorian. Like in the title of the show. And there's some riff in the bar, he beats them up real good, very old west style, very, uh, you know,
1: lone gunslinger. Now, Josh, do you know what a spaghetti western is?
0: Because people uh, I have been calling
1: spaghetti eastern is. Because people have been calling this a spaghetti western, and um, I was most excited to talk about this show with my dad, because my dad is a big John Wayne fan. And loves westerns. Wasn't quite spaghetti westerns. Oh yeah, that's what I found out. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I was like, "Oh really?" It's a Star Wars spaghetti western, and my dad was like, um, "Peter, um, <laughs> he he's very formal with me, um, mm-hmm. Peter, Mister Peter." No, he he wouldn't say that. I haven't earned that title, that surname. <laughs> so my father's like Peter and Peter. Um. And there's no ums or filler words Peter There's a distinct difference Between the western and the spaghetti western I hope Mm -hmm. you know that And then I cried Mm -hmm. for a little bit but muted The phone call And then I found out that They're the Italian Wild Wild West uh, movies Right So um, this show is You know a western You know it's supposed to be like a gunslinger Style show and we start off in, like, a probably, like, a iconic cantina scene.
0: Um, yeah, we walk into a cantina not at all unlike the one on Mos Eisley. Bunch of hooligans, bunch
1: of weird aliens. And then, like, some alt-right guy is like, yeah. Hey, I'm this alt-right guy, I, Yeah, and I can't speak the basic language.
0: And I'm gonna beat up Horatio Sands of SNL fame.
1: And I'm gonna try and eat him, too. But also Mm -hmm. take him. So. So he
0: gets in a fight. He beats these guys up. um, He goes over to
1: see uh, Horatio Sands, who is blue. Also, um, we should name the aliens as they're appearing, too. Like, um... Should we? (laughs) Well, I mean, some of our listeners don't really know the background, maybe, on them. And, um... Like, for example... That one alien is, um, that he h- cut in half, um, is an alien that we've seen a couple of times, but is seen as kind of like an underworld alien. Um oh, the squid guy? The squid guy, yeah.
0: This is the other people from Moncala, right?
1: Yeah, the other the other people from Moncala, so... And planet. Um, yeah, so, like a, you know, that it's, like it's a trap, it's a trap. Yeah, but that guy lives on planet with the squid people. Yeah, he, he lives on, so like the... Um, the whale people, you know, General um, Akbar, um, his people live um, in a contentious group with those people. Um, so we've seen that um, that shot, like that, alien's big and is much bigger than. Um, yeah, he's a tall boy. He's a he's a tall boy, which mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised at um, because you saw the Trandoshans at certain points. And they seem so much smaller than they should lizard be. people. The lizard people. So. Well, you know, height
0: disparities and all that. Tall people are short people, you know. So, beats up these guys, goes up to Horatio Sands, who's thrilled. Thank you, thank you, you saved me. Uh-oh, didn't save him. Turns out, this Mandalorian guy's a bounty hunter, like it said in the episode synopsis. And he's actually here for Horatio Sands. Lauren Michaels put out a hit on him. Bum, bum, bum. Brian Posehn comes up really... in a little streetcar. They go to a spaceship. Big hippo worm attacks. Uh, walrus. He pokes it with his little toothpick gun. Space, a space <coughs> walrus. Yes. Sure. Look like a hippo to me. They barely <clears throat> escape. Yada yada. Horatio Sands goes to the bathroom. We see what a toilet looks like for the second time in Star Wars. Shout out to all my Rebels fans out there. And... What do you call
1: it? Because they usually call it a refresher. Right. He didn't call it a refresher. It was like an air pump or some sort of... No, you know. but like, it definitely wasn't a bathroom, but he was... No. He called it... The- was,
0: it was something implying that it was going to jettison the stuff into space. Yeah. Yeah. And he's creeping around in the basement of the Mandalorian ship, the Razor Crest. Uh-huh. And discovers a bunch of people frozen carbonite, and then he himself, I guess, frozen in carbonite. Cold open. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the cold open of this? I so. Star Wars movies famously kind of usually start with a big cold open.
1: Um, I thought the pacing of the show was a little slow, but I also... Th- I found it strange, yeah. But I also think that it just had to explain a bunch of stuff, so, like, that first scene explains everything I need to know about the Razor Crest. Like, it mm-hmm. showed literally everything, other than, like, maybe its weapons on the ship itself. But yeah, like, yeah,
0: the actual shipment, like
1: I, yeah. I see his bed. I see his bathroom for no reason in particular. I see all the weapons he has. Um, you know, the, you see the cockpit, both of the ramps. You know, the one where he uses to take out the space walrus. The one that he uses to like move the guys. He has his own personal like carbonite machine. So yeah, I think it was more just yeah. explaining. Like here's all the here's the here's the world. Here's the environment. And then yeah, no, that's a good the point. next episode going to speed stuff up.
0: Yeah, because the Mandalorian is, at this point, uh, Pedro may or may not have revealed the character's actual name. I don't know. I don't care. I'll find out when I find out um, in an interview. But in this episode, you know, we get we never see space. We get very few words from him. So in that sense, rather than having him talk, we do get Horatio Sanz's character looking around his ship, which becomes kind of an extension of the Mandalorian's character. And, you know, we don't, we don't see his face, but we see where he lives. Like Pete said, we see where he sleeps. We see where he keeps his guns. Yada, yada. Um, so it is a bit, it's an extension of the armor almost, running around in, in the ship there. Uh, Horatio Sand's character talked a lot, which I can understand, you know, if you have a silent character, you want to have a foil um, for them to kind of bounce off of. Mm-hmm. It did get, I, was, I was kind of over it by the time he got froze up. But like you uh, wanted, really you liked... wanted
1: him to get got.
0: I just wanted him to be quiet. <laughs>
1: now, um, yeah. people have been freaking out about this. Um, they did talk about life day. Yes,
0: yes, um, he mentions wanting to be available for life which day, which
1: is. They, I think they make two references. Oh, they do make two references. Um, do they? Yeah, they make two references to that the Star Wars special.
0: What was the second? Um, The
1: second one was when... Oh, the Mythosaur? Yeah. Because he rides the Mythosaur in the um, holiday special.
0: Yeah, the, the Star Wars holiday special is actually, among many things that it's famous for, is actually the debut of Boba Fett. Boba Fett, and thus Mandalorian armor, and that whole look, debuted in the Star Wars holiday special in an animated portion. And in that animated portion, Boba Fett shows up and greets Luke Skywalker on a giant... Lizard with a giant, ridiculous rifle like the Mandalorian uses in this show and says,
1: Hello, friend. Do you like the rifle? And
0: then tries to trick Luke and yada yada. It's the only good part of the Star Wars Holiday Special. What?
1: Do you like the rifle?
0: I do. Yeah, Um, me too. I got to go to the panel for the Mandalorian at Star Celebration back in April. And so I saw some of the footage from the show. And one of my big takeaways from that footage, which was the scene with, um, Werner Herzog, was that they made the rifle seem uh, feasible. Really? Because it's long and ridiculous, but you know, when he very quickly whips out the rifle and the pistol Mm -hmm. in that uh, kind of standoff, it it worked for me. It didn't seem clumsy or ridiculous. No, it seemed seemed like it had a purpose. Yeah. Right.
1: Which, Um, it is interesting because it's like the iconic part of, you know, the Mandalorian's weapons in this. It's um, like with Rey, you never really see her use that staff all that much. You know, she like hit not so much anymore. Yeah. She beat those guys up pretty good. Yeah. But that's like pretty much it. You know, it's not like, yeah. it's not like when she in, Ep- in last Jedi, you know, brings it with her and she uses right. it in that throne room <clears throat> scene. Well,
0: there's that deleted scene where she pops Yoda's ghost on the head. on accident.
1: Um yeah. Yeah. But uh right now we're talking about Mandalorian. Hmm. So okay. um we get an introduction to the guild, which is Bounty the Hunter. Bounty hunter guild. guild that he's a part of. Um we see that goes
0: to drop them off at the at the boss we see that the he's
1: this um the class nerd um wanting to do all the assignments for the teacher. Yep. Um
0: so who can blame them? The teachers, grief Hal, Howl- Howl- Um grief, grief Carga, grief, grief Carga, grief,
1: grief Good grief about? Carga. I mean, I can't believe you can't get grief that Carga, right.
0: AKA Carl Weathers.
1: Weathers. But yes. Um, so we get to see that we see that times are tough um, because um, people are just not wanting to go with um, the guild, which is. Um, functionally like what a labor union right yeah um and it seems like even a long long time ago people hate the idea of labor unions and just want to do uh freelance work
0: and beyond that we get the this uh show is supposed to take place six years after the events of return of the jedi so the empire has been overthrown and grief cargo very briefly kind of alludes to maybe the galaxy being in a state of upheaval in a state of flux in which it is less of a big deal to have the nuance of a professional do something when you can just be like well it's a big sloppy messy universe right now by any means necessary i don't really need to pay for a big fancy guy in his big fancy armor i'll just pay any old cutthroat to murder people in cold blood because the galaxy's in chaos and there's no centralized power and who's going to do anything about it.
1: Yeah, so... I
0: mean, that's extrapolating based on what he said.
1: And so we um, we know that this show is six years after um, Return of the Jedi. So um, a government has been formed. It's just still not to the degree of, like, policing every single planet that, like, the Empire was or maybe the Old Republic was, even though they, yeah, were, was, they really for- weren't either.
0: And we should point out, we go to three different planets in this episode. We don't get the names of any of them. I kind of am... I'm okay with that, though. When I saw Rogue One for the first time... And look, I love Rogue One. I maintain five five out of five stars for Rogue One. I think it's one of the better Star Wars movies. Uh, one of the things that threw me off in it initially, though, was they would name each planet, and they'd have, like, a like a crawl across the screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, boom. Uh, Scarif, you know. Um, so, they also went you know, to, like, you know, what,
1: seven different planets in that movie?
0: They only really went to, like, four. Um, but anyway, yeah, okay. uh, we don't get that here, so we don't really know. I mean, even if we had the names, who knows where they're located in the galaxy. I don't know. But they're probably in the outer regions. you got to assume they're, they're probably far away, Tatooine-esque, kind of. They look very sparse. They don't look like Coruscant. They don't look like there's centralized federal power coming through uh-huh. to cut down on crime and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, he's bugging Grief Karga for all the assignments he's got. He's only got like five or six. Uh, he can't. He, he tries to pay him in Imperial credits. Those don't fly anymore. So he ends up paying him in uh, Mon Calamari. That's Admiral Ackbar, uh Little squid jelly. Oh, really? Shop, that's what that was. Which is cool because it establishes Mandalorians an alcoholic. And oh, I didn't. Even, I that, did not
1: even notice that. Yeah,
0: and they make weird jelly noises when you put them down. I'm pretty sure. He gives them an assignment that's from somebody with deep pockets. There's no little pog. The bounty hunters, all the bounties, and this is established in the Clone Wars show. Bounties are kind of put out on these little discs that pop up with a holographic headshot.
1: But then they also have trackers, uh, too. There's also...
0: Right, tracking fobs. Uh Uh-huh. Which just beep when they're near and have no screen or anything that seemed to indicate a direction or anything like that. Which is terrifying. Whatever. So, he sends him off to go to this guy with the pop kids, who apparently has a fancy mission. And at some point, either while he's walking to or from this place, Uh I'm just going to cut to it now. We get this shot. Salacious Crumb, the horrible little monkey man from Return of the Jedi. We get this shot of him walking through the streets of this planet. And there's one of those things roasting us a bit. And another one watching it from a cage.
1: Yep.
0: Horrified at its future. And I saw that in April, and I kept it to myself. Does anyone ruin it for anyone? But boy, did that haunt me.
1: Well, they show that in the trailer.
0: Do yeah. they? Okay. Yeah, I knew that for Pretty a while. Pretty gross.
1: Um, I think that's
0: about as gritty as I'd like the show to get.
1: Well, they also, like, when, when that um, squid guy gets uh, cleaved in half, mm-hmm. it's implied. They don't show it, so... Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean, I mean think at
0: this point in time we don't have to worry too much about this, but there was a time, you know, they were talking for a while about having Game of Thrones guys do this, they were talking a while for, like, um, there, there seemed to be maybe talk or possibility of a grittier TVMA heart leaning toward R-rated type Star Wars, which I'm not a proponent of. I don't care for that. Um, Disney Plus is not that arena. They're pretty open about, you know, keeping it PG-13 and stuff like that. Um, and I didn't, yeah, this, this show did not, this was not beating you over the head with grit, mm-hmm. um, in a way that some other streaming service shows might do just to be like, no, this isn't, well, not broadcast. They don't have a, uh, we can go hard.
1: Like a filter yet for content. So I think that, mm-hmm. um, well, they're not gonna, I think this, they're gonna toe the line in terms of this. So. Yeah. Uh, I would say it's
0: a solid TV 14 and I am. Good to go So that. Werner
1: Herzog um, is the point... The point client. ...is the client. Um, and we open his
0: room, and we see a bunch of old dusty, beat-up-looking stormtroopers. Uh-huh. Not at all pristine.
1: Do you know anything about Probably them? have been in this armor for
0: six years. Not that I know of, no. Um, but I, I mean, see, this is a nice touch of visual storytelling, Vice. Herzog hands talking a bunch, which, again, is fine. This is my own hang-up. But Star Wars does a lot with with visuals and just the visual of the stormtroopers we don't have anyone specifically saying oh it's been six years since return of the jedi but you know based on what grief karga says based on the look of these stormtroopers you know historically when we see them they're pristine white always they're always white always. Yeah. um and so we it's
1: like for it's like first day of school every day the state of the galaxy yeah yeah
0: and then we meet verne herzog which is the best money disney's ever spent Oh, why's that? Uh, just because he talks good.
1: I casually mentioned that he was in the show to, like, my coworkers, mm-hmm. like, a film guy, and he, like, mm-hmm. went... Talked about how he ate a shoe? He went, like, crazy. He's like, yeah. this is one of the greatest directors of our generation, blah, 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 and I'm like...
0: Well, unless uh, your like, coworkers workers 50-plus, ain't our generation.
1: Um... And I'm like, well, bounty hunting is a dangerous profession, I guess. Um,
0: complicated, complicated.
1: Oh, I've been doing that. Uh, well, I've
0: been I've been mistakenly saying bounty hunting is a sassy profession, isn't it? So as you can have tell, that's
1: been, I been very awkward or at or in, uh, the, near the water cooler. The one thing I will say is it's been discussed multiple times. Um, and a variety of outlets, that the Stormtroopers are all actually Star Wars fans? Not all. Oh, really?
0: This is not a thing.
1: So those, yeah. so those ones are actually actors that were paid. Those ones are people. Really? Okay.
0: Yeah. The What happened is there's a sequence. I, I don't think we've seen it yet. Uh-huh. Based on the But at the panel, they talked about how they had a sequence where they had stormtroopers, but it just didn't feel like enough. They needed a lot. They needed numbers for the for the beat to really sell. Uh-huh. And so they wound up going to the local 501st Legion. 501st Legion's an organization that dresses up like stormtroopers. They have, you know, screen accurate, very accurate. They make their own costumes, and they go, they go to parades. They go to children's hospitals. They do charity events and stuff like this. Uh-huh. And they went to the local chapter of the 501st Legion. And it was like, hey... Maybe come on down here. And this is in California near Lucasfilm. And so it's not, I guess, uncommon around there for that chapter, the 501st, to be brought in to hang out at, like, premiere events or stuff at Lucasfilm. Like if Lucasfilm is screening an episode of a show or something, they'll come in holiday parties, yada, yada. So they just figured it was something like that, and then they show up, and they're on the set of The Mandalorian. That's awesome. Yeah. And then they took a picture, and they are like, you can't have the picture, and you can't tell anybody, and shut up. But, so at some point, I assume that it was not the scene because there's only a few stormtroopers. But at some point later on, there'll probably be a scene with a greater number of stormtroopers. And I suspect when that episode airs, you'll see pieces in various entertainment
1: so, rags. Um, the Mandalorian gets sent on a mission. Um, we see that when they do these missions, um, they give like a general body type, um, but he was only given the age of the person, and Last yes. location, and a,
0: and a genetic code for the last four digits of a genetic code. Uh, Maybe that's a social security number. I don't. Yeah, know. I have no idea. And this, le- this little this little egghead guy, this little glasses fella comes out. Clearly a scientist. Uh, eagle eyed viewers have pointed out he has a patch on his little outfit that's not all dissimilar to some of the clones on Camino. Oh, have. cool!
1: So I didn't that's know that. Something.
0: And this guy's like, "Don't kill the asset, wherever you do." Uh-huh. And Vern Herzog is like, "Yeah, but like if you do, just prove you did, and we'll be kosher." And they send him on his way. Yeah, after this, after this asset that is a fifty-year-old who has four digits in their gene code, I guess.
1: Yeah. So. Um... And they pay him. They
0: pay him not in any kind of weirdo credits but in a stupid weirdo elements. yep boy do i love my weird element name beskar steel it's a little ipod sized plate of steel uh-huh. with an imperial insignia on it and the mandalorian takes that payment and he goes straight to the dungeons where there's a bunch of boba fett's and boba fett kids uh-huh. and brings it to uh a character that has been dubbed the armorer i believe um, and we actually know who plays the armorer, but Emily Swallow. Emily Swallow, is, yeah, yeah. Which I don't, I don't know where she's, she, she's with her, from. She's but... from
1: um, Supernatural.
0: Ah, uh, there you go. There you go. Um, that's like uh, her big thing. Yeah, and so he goes and sits down with this uh, armorer, who's clearly somebody in power. Somebody who's a leader amongst this little sect of Mandalorians, who seem like they are maybe hiding out. Um, it looked like there was a kind of a guard chilling at the entrance to this little underground hallway, and he gives the armorer this metal. She melts it down and forges it into a shoulder plate, uh, which looks to be. I guess his his whole kind of mission here is to forge a full set of armor out of this metal. It looked to me like his helmet might have already been from that kind it,
1: of. It it looks like it's he- his helmet. His chest plate and one of his shoulder pads.
0: Oh, uh, really? I okay, definitely I definitely the, chest plate, the chest
1: plate because the
0: like the very center
1: of the chest plate. You mean? Yeah, because the guy um puts the when he at the, in the beginning bar scene when he like scrapes his um sword on his chest. Oh, he's you're talking right. about the because best bar steel.
0: Well, he asks if it was. Yeah.
1: So I I but think yeah. it's implied that it is.
0: Hmm. I don't know, though, because the shoulder plate and the helmet are both all shiny, but who knows? I like this scene because up until this point um, the Mandalorian seems to just be like strong, silent, by himself. tough well, dude. Yeah, 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 this lone really...
1: gunslinger.
0: Right, right. I, I appreciate that it made him part of a community. I appreciate that it officially kind of made him, or implies that he is a proper Mandalorian. Boba Fett and Django Fett I mean, I guess it's still up in the air.
1: They haven't explained it. But not
0: really. I mean, in Clone Wars, Jango Fett's referred to as not, he's not a Mandalorian. He's a bounty hunter. He's a terrorist. um, By a Mandalorian. Um, So it seems like Jango Fett may have just adopted that armor. Um, Or they were
1: just distancing distancing themselves from him. Right.
0: Exactly. It could be. And so maybe we'll find out more about that uh, in this. And so while this uh, shoulder plate's being forged... We get some flashbacks to presumably the Mandalorian's uh-huh. childhood. Uh, him and his being besieged in a in a conflict or whatever. He gets a shoulder pad. He heads out. I'm thinking, oh, okay, so we're gonna spend the whole season. It's gonna be eight episodes of him looking for this thing, this four digit person who is fifty. He's gonna find him in the in the finale. He's gonna have to. Right-
1: nope, he's there. Now let's um, rewind for one second before we get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mandalorians, so that whole society is built on clans. Um, so that's something we uh, hopefully will find out. Because um, they've mm-hmm. shown um, in the Clone Wars TV show, they've shown one clan, which was like Obi Wan's girlfriend. Um, mm-hmm. And then in Rebels, there was um, a clan, which was. House Wren, Clan Wren or whatever, and then... Yeah, it's like the clans fall under houses. It's slightly Game of thrones yeah. And then there's the villain from Rebels, um, Vizsla, House Visla. Vizsla.
0: No, Rebels is Gar Saxon. Oh,
1: Rebels is Gar Saxon, so there's House Saxon. There's Vizsla, mm-hmm. and there might be a couple other ones, so... Um, they've introduced, like, clans, like, different clans so far, so... That's something that I'm curious to see. Is is it a new clan? Is it refugees that got wiped out? Because they talk about
0: yeah they like talk leftovers. about the Great
1: Purge. Um, like this best cars survived the Great Purge.
0: Right. So yeah, I, I had a buddy point that out to me as well. I guess to me, I just assume when I hear Great Purge in Star Wars, I assume that that's the in-universe reference to the to Order sixty six. But, you know, my buddy pointed out, you know, in America, you call it the Civil War. You just call it the Civil War. You don't call it the American Civil War. And so it could very well be the Great Purge in Mandalorian culture refers to something that, that happens there. And without getting too much into Rebels, there is a, you know, a very open-ended, um, there's room for things to happen to the Mandalorians. There's, ru- there's where, room for purges to occur
1: rebels. during that timeline. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: So, um, that's just something that, um, one of the things that I'm really curious about is... Are we like? Is this a refugee group? Is this a clan that's we've like seen before? Do they have a connection to like mm-hmm. the Mandalorian homeworld? Because it's not like it was wiped out like that. That civilization still exists on Mandalore. Like there are still, and it's it's not just like Mandalore is like. A... Well, we don't know that. Um, I think at it's... at this point in time. Though. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'd be strongly. I would. I'd be surprised if it was like completely wiped out. Yeah, that'd be yeah, weird because they would have already talked about uh, it. But so, and it's it's worth pointing out. Series
0: created by enemy of the show, John Favreau. Long story, listen to Poe Boys. And this first episode and a second episode, and one of them was written by Dave Filoni, who was the supervising director on Clone Wars and supervising director for a long chunk of, of Rebels. These guys are both. They have some roots. Dave Filoni is the 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 guru adopted the adopted son
1: who, of George Lucas. Pretty According much. According to Bryce Dallas to Howard. Lucas.
0: Um, and John Favreau played a Mandalorian, Pre yeah. he
1: in played in Clone it, Wars. He's he got
0: this dirtbag. Terrible character. It's, I love Pre Oh, no. Pre sucks
1: um, because of John Favreau. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, he's like an alt-right yeah. guy. But that was before the alt-right was a thing, so it wasn't as horrible. Anyway, I'm just going to delete that. Uh, uh, right. These... These guys uh, are have have roots in Star Wars animation, and so I, 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 it's a safe bet. Even just going off of this first episode, Rebels and Clone Wars and things from those worlds will play into this, and that and that those shows, you know, are not going to be. This is not. I don't think this is a case of like Agents of Shield, uh-huh. right? You know, Avengers came out, and then Agents no, of Shield no, no. came out, and they're like, oh, I think this is its over, own, no, story. No, 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 no. own story. Agents of Shield never happened. It doesn't matter. It never affected anything. Yada yada, um, so I think you can fully expect things from Rebels, things from Clone Wars, to show up and and have effects on what happens in this show, and particularly both those shows have have pretty strong Mandalore and Mandalorian centric arcs.
1: Um, so we get to the planet where this
0: thing is, yeah. Um... Which is apparently just you go there by getting there, and he's there.
1: Yeah, and um, he learns and how to ride after... like a pig lizard. Yeah. Which, you know, wasn't for me, but, like, I'm not a big, like, I don't need to see him, you know, ride him a blurb.
0: Yeah, he pretty, so, like I said, he's initially, he seems like he's a tough like guy. Like, cowboys
1: Cowboys ride blurbs. So, I mean, he has to sure. learn how to ride a blurb at some point, you know.
0: Because we, we get this tough guy, loner, strong, silent, but then it's like, oh, but Wait he actually belongs to, like, a community. And then immediately after that, it's like, oh, but wait, he got clowned half to death.
1: By a, uh, by a, a
0: blurb. Pig monster. Um, Dinosaur. Pig lizard. A blurb. Pig lizard. They show up in Clone of Rebels, a but they are from the Ewok movies. Oh, really? Fun fact. Yeah, I didn't know that one. Yeah, so he gets clowned by a blurb. Nick Nolte saves him in Ugnaught form. We've well, never been a warrior before. And then we get a training montage of, um, of him learning to write a blurg. Nick Nolte says he's going to help him go to, you know, find his query. And uh, helps, helps him learn to write a blurg. Uh, Blurgs are cool because it's impossible to look even vaguely cool while you're on a blurg. It's like groucho glasses. You know... I mean, you know you got your boba fett or, it's like or, wearing, or batman like wearing doesn't matter how cool you look shirts, you know when you're on a blurb you look like a a real dummy uh and so we got this guy who like started a
1: bookmark and also like folding a tab on your book
0: yeah yeah i use a knife as a bookmark it's like bringing a
1: gatorade cool. and having water at the gym It's like having a fork and a spork.
0: Okay. He learns to ride the blurb. They go off. They find this little hut. Compound. Nick Nolte says, alright, I'm out of here, goodbye. He has a catchphrase. I've spoken. It'll be on a t-shirt, a Star Celebration, don't worry about it. They find this fortress, and there's a Bounty Hunter droid, IG-11, who has beaten him there. And it's,
1: and the, getting it's ready. Uh, older, right? Older than IG-88?
0: I don't know. I think it's,
1: o- I think uh, it's an older unit. I guess,
0: because it's an 11. Yeah. Um, he's getting ready to take on all these hooligans at this base and take the bounty for himself. And he is voiced by Taiga Waititi, but even why, I don't know.
1: I think Taiga Waititi uh, sounded... just wants to be in everything right now. <laughs> yeah,
0: but, like, I figured he'd be slightly more recognizably Taiga Waititi. Oh, it is. If I didn't know it was Taika Waititi, never in a million years.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, I...
0: Never. Well, I mean, I just saw
1: Jojo Rabbit, so, like, it's... As did I. Um,
0: Um, uh, Yeah, so he starts to take him on, and earlier, so, this is a big moment for me. IG-88 is one of my favorite Star Wars characters. I love that little fella. And it looked like, you know, when they're just showing footage for this, it did seem like, oh, maybe this is IG-88. But then they very quickly were like, actually, it's IG-11. And in an interview, Dave Filoni spoke to why they went with IG-11 and not Uh IG-88. And he said that, you know, IG-88 has a lot of stories and a lot of mythos in the Legends continuity, which is the Star Wars expanded universe before Disney bought the property, and they kind of rebooted anything that wasn't the movies or Clone Wars. Uh No longer canon. And in the old Legends, you know, IG-88 takes over the the second Death Star, and uploads his consciousness into it like a minute before it explodes and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And so he was like, I don't want to mess with those stories. Uh, if fans still enjoy those stories, I don't want to contradict them, even if they're not canon to totally be true this way. Hey, Dave, it turns out, though, that you... That's not why. That's not why. That's not why they didn't make it IG-88. They didn't make IGA eight because, you know, Mandalorian shot him in the head and, like five minutes later. Yeah. He's gone. I mean, maybe not. But oh no, you know, he's, he's they take out the whole base yeah. together. Teamwork, teamwork. Self-destruct, isn't that funny? Gets a cannon, blow up the base, kill one more guy, and then what do they find? But the asset that I assumed would be the season finale, but it's actually the end of the first episode, and it's a little box. Like we said, we go boxes. We say throughout the box. They didn't do it for this. They kept it in a box, but whatever. Open up a box. And it is. It's a little baby Yoda.
1: Mm hmm. It's
0: a little baby Yoda in a crib. And IG 11 is like, I'm going to kill that. And then. <laughs> oh, but wait, he didn't kill it. The Mandalorian killed him. So. And then we get this last awesome shot of the Mandalorian reaching towards the crib and a little
1: Yoda hand reaching out of the crib. The end. So I have two things. One, <sighs> um, I, I think a lot of people are assuming, and I'm one of them, that the Yoda species, they're all Force-sensitive.
0: I uh, Yeah, I think... I'm sure people are assuming that. I would like that not to be the case. Oh, I want that but... to be the
1: case. Now, the thing yeah, that would really know. upset me, though, is we're, like, what, 10 years, 12 years from kylo ren killing all the jedi right and like yeah um it just sucked for like you know at the end of this um you know luke to like take the you know 50 year old person and be like yeah i will train him and then cut to like kylo going into like a crib and just murdering this like yanni
0: So it's yeah, it's important to note. Fifty years old. They mention that different species age differently. So this is a fifty-year-old baby, and that was a sick idea I had. And I will probably shelve it for a few years and revisit it later after the smoke has settled on this premiere. Fifty years at this point, Star Wars mythos. Twenty-five years prior to this episode is the end of Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Twenty-five years before that, we're talking a decade a little more than a decade before Phantom Menace uh-huh. is when this little fellow was was born. Um, when he got into the grasp of the Empire, when he got out of the grasp of the Empire, if he was ever in the grasp of the Empire, who knows? A lot of history to be filled in there for this. Oh, baby, baby. So, uh, Certainly the implication would be, oh, he's like Yoda and Yaddle, the girl Yoda from Phantom Menace. Perhaps he's Force-sensitive. There's episodes of Clone Wars where chancellor palpatine before becoming the emperor uh tries to kidnap force sensitive kids things like that but who who knows i mean the obvious answer would be probably force sensitive i like the idea that maybe he's just a little kid and everybody wants him to be force sensitive and he doesn't want to be and maybe at the end he'll get to go just be a regular little 50 year old baby
1: knowing you know people that are obsessed with like dave filoni they're gonna be like Oh, he's going to find Ahsoka, and then he's going to give little Yanni to Ahsoka, and then...
0: And actually, Yanni's a wolf.
1: And then Yanni... And we
0: are going to call the baby Yanni.
1: And then Yanni is going to, like, help take out um, Kylo. It's going to be, like, the Jedi that Rey trained in, like, the year before. Well, Yanni's Snoke. Uh, all right.
0: And I that is a hashtag. End, hashtag I, I think we snow. should
1: end on that.
0: Uh, hold on here real quick. Shout out to Ludwig Gordson's score. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, already available on Spotify, the, the first chapter. So I guess they're going to release the score chapter by chapter. It's about a half hour of music. He does some really interesting kind of different stuff, but it still felt Star Wars to me. and never jumped out at me as feeling strange during the episode, unlike Maybe some early music in Clone Wars that try to be a little bit too outside uh-huh. the box. uh These uh, guys that he beats up at the base <laughs> that are guarding little Yanni. Those are Nikto's. We got a green one, which I don't think we've seen in live action. There's a green Nikto in the Star Wars Resistance, Niku, so that was, you know, that was something. And I guess the last thing I want to point out is watching this, the main thing I thought about is we mentioned the 501st Legion. Um, there's another group, Rebel Legion, or something, they dress up like heroes, and there's a third group, the Mando Mercs, the Mandalorian Mercs, these are fans that make their own Mandalorian Uh armor, and, I mean, this show, The Mandalorian, is the most in your face they've ever been about Mandalorians. Ever. Ever. It's the first time anyone in live action Star Wars has said the word. And hasn't
1: died within, Uh, like, three minutes of screen time. (laughs) So, uh, watching this show, and the Mando Mercs
0: were there at the panel uh, at Star Celebration. I don't think they let them bring their armor in, so they all brought their helmets. And they were like lifting their helmets up and cheering. And they were so excited. And watching this show and seeing him go into that Mandalorian community and having his armor built up and stuff and knowing how into all that that group is. I, guys, it must be What a time to
1: be right alive now. for them.
0: Yeah, it made me really happy for them. I hope they will like it. I don't know, I feel good for them. I hope they like it. I imagine they're on cloud nine. That's great. The end.
1: All right, well, um, if you want to shoot us an email,
0: um, don't... Uh, podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on... You can follow us at Podcast. Um, tune in every Thursday evening. For our regular episodes, which at this point are coverage of Star Wars Resistance. But while Resistance is off the air, we uh, vamp and talk about all sorts of stuff. Yeah, like, I think this is episode 70-something, um, so there's plenty you can go back and check and, out. And,
1: like, I, um, today, am buying Fallen Order, so we'll probably talk about that. Ah! Yeah,
0: I'm gonna get that as yeah. well. We'll see if I get around to playing it this weekend. So.
1: I Alright, so
0: hold up. We're recording this thursday it's like six thirty eastern i believe the review embargo for fallen order comes out uh at like midnight eastern 9 p.m pacific or so maybe that's 11 eastern i don't uh-huh. remember
1: um
0: you got you got a guess on the meta score of this bad boy
1: um like 83 probably okay
0: i want this game to be good i really i
1: have no intention i'm of, gonna guess... I have no intention of keeping this game I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna guess like a fifty seven. I'm gonna buy it. But I really want it to be. I'm good. gonna buy it, and then I'm gonna turn it yep. in, and then I'm gonna buy a Pokemon. <laughs> so I gotta get through this game quickly. Like if this game only takes like people are gonna be like, Oh this game's only ten hours, I'm gonna be like, nice, this game's only ten hours. So. Alright, well, that's all I got. Okay. Right? Bye.